This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, week 11 in the NFL, a week that had a lot of good, some solid stuff, but some terrible, terrible stuff. There were about three games that were just totally, totally unwatchable. And uh, the 1 o'clock games didn't have many points, which was weird. Some of those games, the lines would told you told you that we're going to go over. The 4 o'clock games stayed on par. Ironically, ironically, we still did pretty well with our picks. 3-2 and two for the 11th consecutive week. We do not have a losing week. Triangle Inc., Triangle Ink is the leading manufacturer in the screen printing industry, delivering the finest inks for over 35 years. Check them out at triangleink.com or call them at 1-800-524-1592. Vergona Cranes. Located at 180 West Forest Avenue in Inglewood, New Jersey, Vergona Cranes operates 24 hours a day, providing crane rentals, trucking services, and warehousing for storage. Vergona Crane services the New York and New Jersey area. Call them at 201-945-7209 or on their website at vergonacrane.com. Paramus Driving School. Safety and professionalism begins with Paramus Driving School, serving the North Jersey area like no other. Contact them at paramusdrivingschool.com or call them at 201-986-83. Zero, zero. Week 11, and we start off with Seattle and Arizona. Seattle 28-21 over Arizona. A game that, you know, when you looked at the stats, was a toss-up in terms of the amount of plays that were run in the game, 63-62 to in Arizona's favor. But, here was the one thing that Arizona could not balance out. Time of possession. 35 to 25 slanted heavily towards Seattle. That ended up being a big difference in this game because Arizona, although they got a lot of plays off, really didn't have the ball enough. And, you know, when you play the type of offense that Arizona does, where Half of it is sandlot football, right? Because the quarterback is just running around trying to make plays. You need more possessions. Not necessarily not necessarily because you're going to score all the time because we understand how the game is played. But the more possessions, the more you can actually get one of those plays that... that you know, Kyler Murray will make. The amount of plays that they had were a lot of uh, plays that were incomplete, really were not uh, um, plays that were uh, impactful in the game. Rushing for Seattle, another problem that's, that, that Arizona struggled with. They were on the field a lot because of the time of possession, and this really became a problem 165 to 57 Russell Wilson only threw for 197 he was 23 for 28 with two touchdowns um Kyler Murray 
29 for 42, 269, two touchdowns. But again, nothing really overly impactful. Both offenses struggled in the first half. I mean, the game was 16-7 when, when the game, uh, you know, at the half. Arizona played better uh, on the road than I thought coming off that Buffalo win. And obviously with the short week playing on Thursday. Look, the game was 23-21 with about nine minutes to go in the fourth until... There was a safety, a safety that was a little controversial um, because it happened. You could have argued that it happened outside of the end zone. In any of in any event, they did give him the safety, and then a field goal by Seattle made it a seven point game. Arizona drove down, but just could not end up tying the game. Seattle seven and three now at Philly on Monday night. The Giants, the Jets, and at Washington, they're going to win minimum three out of four. If they win four out of four, they're in play for the number one seed. The Cardinals at six and four travel to the Patriots. Tough game. Tough game because they don't have a great defense, the Cardinals, that is, and the Patriots will be able to scheme some things up. They then have the Rams before they come to New York to play the Giants. The Cowboys, 31-28 over the Vikings. Ezekiel Elliott, praise the Lord, finally went over 100 yards. 21 carries for a buckle three and a touchdown. Tony Pollard with a big, big run. Uh, 42-yarder. He chipped in with 60 and a touchdown. His touchdown was a huge play in that game. Andy Dalton, Back from the COVID situation and the concussion, 22 for 32 for 203, three touchdowns, one interception. Amari Cooper, six for 81. C.D. Lamb, one of the most spectacular plays you will ever see this year for a touchdown catch. He had four catches for 34 yards. Cousins was good. You know, normally when the Vikings lose, you think it's because Cousins didn't play well, but he was good. 22 for 32, three touchdowns, one interception, uh, zero interceptions, I'm sorry. Cook ran the ball well, 27 for a buck, 15, and one touchdown. Thielen, monster game. Thielen, who I believe was put on the COVID list this week after the game, was eight for 123 with two touchdowns. The Vikings were outplayed for most of the game. Make no mistake about it. They did take the lead at one point. In the second half. But Dallas threw an interception. If you really want to break this game down, Dallas threw an interception inside the 20 in the first half. They also kicked the field goal to end the first half when they had the ball first and goal at the one because there was only eight seconds left and then they ran a play, ended up being complete. They kicked the field goal with four seconds. That could have been problematic for Minnesota if, if, if the Cowboys could have actually you know, uh, played the game out or played the half out. Uh, and look, the Vikings have no one to blame but themselves here. They were lined up to be 7-5 and five based on the schedule. They lost to a bad football team here. Make no mistake about it. The Cowboys are a bad football team. And the Vikings blew this game. And on top of that, their offense had an opportunity, even after Dallas scored, to tie the game or really not really tied because uh well yeah tie the game because they were down three but they also could have won it they could have driven down and they went 
essentially they lost, they turned the ball over on downs. Dallas plays Washington on Thanksgiving. And if Dallas wins that game, they'll be alone in first place uh, come Friday morning. They're going to be, if they win that game, they'll be four and seven. That's incredible. They still stink. Then they go to the Ravens at Cincinnati, 49ers, Philly, and the Giants. The Cowboys could conceivably, if they win on Thursday, with Burrow out now, they could go to Cincinnati and win that game, gets them to five. 49ers, Phillies, they and and uh, the 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 I said the Phillies, uh, the Eagles, and at the Giants, they can get two of those three. They can get to their six wins. Six wins could win this division. So keep an eye on that. Uh, but like I said, they're still a terrible team. Cleveland twenty two. 17 over the Eagles, third game in a row, third game in a row where weather is an issue for the Browns. Baker Mayfield, 12 for 22, 204. Nick Chubb back for the second game in a row. Very good, very good game, 20 for a buck 14. Wentz, and we're going to speak to, later on in the show, we're going to have Lloyd Vance joining us Lloyd, who was with me at ESPN, um, and he was with the NFL Network. Lloyd's going to be on to discuss the Eagles and a couple of other topics, but in particularly the Eagles. And Lloyd is going to come in and speak about Wentz. We're going to leave Wentz alone for, for, for that part of the show later on. He was 21 for 35, 235, and two touchdowns. Terrible interception, a pick six. But like I said, we'll discuss that a little bit more. We're going to discuss with Lloyd if it's time to start thinking about benching Wentz for Jalen Hurts. Philly, 3-6-1, and one, has the hardest remaining schedule of the teams in the East. Okay? They, are, they have Seattle at home at Green Bay. They could lose both those games. They go, they have the Saints at home. They could lose that game too. Then they go to Arizona, to Dallas before finishing up with Washington. Philly could be in trouble here. Cleveland, seven and three. They're at the Jags, at the Titans, the Ravens, and the Giants. Cleveland should be lined up to make the playoffs. I will tell you that the hardest game for them right now seems to be the Titans or the Ravens. Be careful. At the Jags this week coming up. The Saints 24-9 over Atlanta. Matt Ryan, good all year. He's been good all year. He was terrible on Sunday. Terrible. 19 for 37, 232, two interceptions. They ran for 52 yards. And all their points came from field goals. Taysom Hill, 18 for 23, 233, making his first career start at 30 years old. He also ran for 51 yards. He had 284 all Saquon yards. He had two touchdowns also. Look, we sat there. I sat there all week last week and heard analyst after analyst make fun of Taysom Hill, say how he was going to struggle, say how it was incredible that the Saints were starting this guy. Not only did Hill play well, but he put up the same numbers that Lamar Jackson puts up every week and got an MVP for last week. Why are we judging him any different? We'll find out. He, I mean, he did have a little bit of a soft landing spot with Atlanta. Atlanta's not very good. They go to Denver, if I'm not mistaken, this week. Denver 
whose defense is pretty good. So Taysom Hill's going to have to play some football. But again, in today's football, if he's going to make plays like this with that defense and he's just going to set them up, he's never going to be a great quarterback. And we know that, but he can do damage for them uh, for what they need, I should say. Murray ran for 49. Kamara, 45 in a touchdown. Kamara didn't touch the ball and and here uh, uh, through the air. And here's a very interesting thing to keep an eye on a guy like Hill, who, unlike a lot of these young quarterbacks or these run-first quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, like Tua, oh boy, we're going to get on Tua in a little bit. Taysom Hill completed nine for 104 to Mike Thomas. The wide receivers for the Saints caught 14 of the 18 completions that Taysom Hill had. Why is that important? Because that means he wasn't just there checking it down, which is what most of these inexperienced or bad quarterbacks spend the whole game doing outside of Brady in 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 New England realistically they, they don't push the ball downfield the Saints are 8 and 2 they're at Denver like I said then at Atlanta at Philly three straight road games before they host the Chiefs in one of the three snoozers of Sunday slate Washington 20 to 9 over Cincinnati Alex Smith 17 for 25 a buck 66, one touchdown, one interception. Gibson, 94 yards on the ground. Washington had 164 yards rushing. Um, and look, realistically, that was the game right there. But the real story of this game was Joe Burrow's injury. Uh, just terrible. The number one draft pick who has been phenomenal for Cincinnati this year. And, and listen, at the point where he got hurt, he was 22 for 34, 203 in a touchdown. Got hurt, torn ACL, torn MCL, just a lot of damage to that knee. You have to start thinking, if you are the Bengals, do you sit him out next year also just to allow him to fully, fully heal and start thinking of 2022? Ryan Finley will be the new quarterback there. Um... But you could see this coming a mile away. They just threw the ball so much this year. That offensive line, terrible. He was sacked the third most times on the season. And look, like I said, you 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 have to have to consider bringing him back for the 22 season because if it's a 10 to 12 months rehab, you're already looking at week 10 or 11 of next year. You're going to bring them back for six games? Let's be honest. The Bengals are going to win about two or three games by this point next year without him. Why risk it? Washington is 3-7. and seven. They go to Dallas on Thanksgiving. Now, we spoke about Dallas winning the game, that game. But if Washington can win that game, which they certainly can, they're at Pittsburgh the following weekend. We get it. That's probably going to be a loss. But then they have two of the next three are the 49ers and Carolina, why not? Car Speaking of Carolina, Carolina hosted Detroit, was an underdog at home, playing without their starting quarterback, and beat Detroit 20 nothing. Let me tell you something, Matt Patricia fired himself. Matt Patricia's record 
13-28-1 as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. When he took over that team, he was supposed to be the guy that was going to help them make the next jump. They were coming off two consecutive 9-7 and seven seasons. And since then, it's been nothing but downhill. They got shut out by Carolina as favorites on the road. A team that was playing without its quarterback, without its running back, beat them. Beat them. Detroit had 40 yards rushing and 178 passing. The 40 yards rushing, I can forgive. When you have a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, that's unacceptable. DJ Moore for Carolina, seven catches for a buck 27. Samuel, phenomenal year this year. Eight for 70 with a touchdown. And Davis playing for uh, McCaffrey, 19 for 64 and a touchdown. Pittsburgh, 27-3 over Jacksonville, completing the snooze fest that was that uh, that slate of games at 1 o'clock in, in, on Sunday. Pittsburgh was not great on offense. They actually were even down 3-0 after the first, but they picked it up. They did enough, and once they went up 17-3, I mean, the game was essentially over. Big Ben, 32 for 46, 267, two touchdowns. One interception, Connor, 13 for 89. They still need to do more on the ground. They had 106 yards of rushing, but I've been saying this forever. The Steelers' problem will be running the football. They have to run the football if they're going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. The Jaguars' rookie, Luton, yeah, he was terrible. He looked like a rookie, 16 for 37 Four big interceptions. Steelers, time of possession in this game, 37 to 23. They held the Jags to 206 total yards. Pittsburgh's 10 and 0. They have the Ravens on Thanksgiving, a Ravens team that's dealing with a lot of COVID issue situations with their players. God knows who, who's going to suit up for them. They're almost in the same situation the 49ers were about five or six weeks ago. They then go to Buffalo. That will be the first game that the Ravens lose. Then, uh, that I'm sorry, that the Steelers lose. At Cincinnati afterwards, the Colts and the Browns. The Titans, 34-24 over the Ravens in a game that went into overtime. And here's the concerning thing if you're the Ravens. This was a game that Baltimore usually wins. Why? They were up 11 in the third. And these are the games that they win because Lamar Jackson is not in a position to bring you from behind where you have to throw the ball. They blew an 11-point lead. Game went into overtime, and Henry with a big 29-yard burst into the end zone to end the game. Tannehill, 22 for 31, two touchdowns, one interception. Henry, 28 for 133 in that touchdown that we mentioned in overtime. The Titans outscored, uh, outgained the, the Ravens 423 to 306. Lamar Jackson doing his Lamar Jackson things. 17 for 29, a buck 77, one touchdown, one interception, 13 for 51 on the ground. Sound familiar? Yeah, those were basically the same stats that we read for Taysom Hill, except Hill threw for a lot more yardage. They can't win these games with 306 yards total. They just can't. Because they're not going to put you in a position to be ahead, and they have to be ahead. Tennessee is 7-3. They go to the Colts, who they just beat two weeks ago. The Browns 
at the Jaguars, Lions at Green Bay, and at the Texans. Tennessee should, should get to 10 or 11 wins. Baltimore 6-4 and four at Pittsburgh. If they lose that game, they're going to be 6-5. and five. Now, the rest of the schedule is easy. Dallas at home, that's a win. That's 7. At Cleveland, always a toss-up in those divisional games. Jacksonville, the Giants at home, 8-9. and nine, And at Cincinnati, that should be 10. They almost have 10 wins locked up. But if the playoffs started today, they are out. Houston, 27-20 over the Patriots. Watson, amen. He earned his money, ladies and gentlemen. 28 for 37, 344, two touchdowns. And he had two because they only had 55 yards rushing. And he had 36 of those himself. Cam Newton actually had a great game actually uh, throwing the ball. 26 for 40, 365, one touchdown. And he had a chance. He had a chance. The Patriots had the ball, and they drove the ball down to the Houston 24 and they had a third and four and a fourth and four, and they lost the ball over on downs, two incomplete passes. The Pats, who usually run the ball well, struggled, 86 total yards. The Texans had three receivers with over 80 yards, and Bird, uh, for the Patriots, had six catches for a buck 32 and a touchdown. The Patriots are at home to the Cardinals, and Houston is playing on Thanksgiving at Detroit. Denver 20 to 13 over Miami and Denver should have won this game by at least three touchdowns statistically 459 to 223 total yardage Denver rushed for damn near 200 yards they had a buck 89 and Miami only had 56 the only touchdown Miami had was set up because of a block uh, because of a lock interception which gave them the ball at the 22 Tua 11 for 20 83 yards one touchdown on that one score, on that short field, and then bench for Fitzpatrick, who came in and threw for more yards in a in a couple of drives than Tua did for the whole game. And get this, after the game, we hear from that coaching staff that Tua was benched because they felt Fitz gave them a better chance to win. That in itself is the indictment of all indictments that I've been saying for about four weeks on this show, that the Dolphins... Spent a first-round top 10 pick on a game manager to hand the ball off, throw one-route reads, and basically be an okay quarterback if your team, your defense, and your special teams sets you up to be up 10 nothing every game. You do that, I can quarterback. The Dolphins got this wrong with this quarterback. I said it four weeks ago. I actually said it when he was coming out of college, more so because of the injury factor. Now, he's played four games and stayed healthy, but I didn't think that he was going to translate to the pros. I know a lot of people, including guys like Mike Francesa, were really high on him. I didn't see it, but it's proving itself out right now. Guys like Burrow and Herbert look like they are in a different stratosphere compared to to Tua. Miami 6 and 4, they go to the Giants, uh to the Jets, a game that might be the only game the Jets can win all year. I'm interested to see what that line is. 
Vegas is probably going to give Miami a little bit more credit than I would. Probably make that line about five or six. I'd be careful if I'm Miami. I'd be careful. Cincinnati, without Burrow, they should win at home. Then they have the Chiefs, Pats, at Raiders, and at the Bills. Can Miami get to 10 wins and get in the playoffs? They better win this week at the Jets. They'll win at Cincinnati, uh, home to Cincinnati. If they do that and get to eight wins, they can get to 10. If they don't, I don't know if they can definitely get three out of the last four. The Chargers, 34-28 over the Jets. Speaking of the Jets, the Jets took a 6-0 lead after a block punt and a short field, but the Chargers scored right away, and they scored the next 24 points. They scored right away on a pick six, but they continued to, to score and scored the next 24 points. Herbert, two touchdown passes, and listen, you knew the game wasn't going to be complete until the Chargers tried to give it away, right? I mean, the the Jets actually had the ball down 34-26, but their drive ended at the 32 with the uh, with the game obviously being a one-possession game if you really got the two-point conversion. Herbert, 37 for 49, 366, and two touchdowns, three touchdowns. The Chargers will need Eckler back soon to run the ball um, and protect Herbert. If Eckler doesn't come back, they run the risk of being in the same situation that the Bengals were with Burrow if they keep on throwing the ball damn near 40 times a game. The only difference is that the offensive line for the Chargers is night and day better than what Joe Burrow had in front of him. Keenan Allen, monster year, monster game. 16 catches, buck 45, and a touchdown. Joe Flacco, 15 for 32, 05, two touchdowns, one interception. The Chargers are at the Bills. The Jets home to Miami. The Colts, 34-31 over Green Bay. And Green Bay, listen, they gave this game away. Up 28-14 against a team that offensively really should not come back from that type of deficit in the second half. How do you give those game away? Those type of games away? Very simple. Turn the ball over. Give up the time of possession. That's exactly what happened. The Colts had three drives in the second half of 14, 11, and I believe eight or nine plays. Green Bay really didn't have the ball. They let them get back in. At 28-28, Green Bay fumbles the ball, lets the Colts go up 31-28. Green Bay comes back and actually ties the game uh, at 31, but they go to overtime, they win the toss, they actually look like they were moving. There's no doubt in my mind that Rodgers was going to put that ball in the end zone. Receiver fumbles the ball on a on a on a on a, on a flare out, basically on a, on a hitch pass. Turns it over, short field. Colts kick a field goal, 34-31 final. Green Bay, like I said, four turnovers. Can't win that way. Rodgers, 27 for 38, three touchdowns, one interception. Green Bay only ran for 66 yards. They're going to have to do a little better job of playing a little bit more physical football in some of these games. They tend to flake up and down every time the going gets tough. When the game's wide open, they do well. 
And that first half was a clear indication of that. As soon as the game tightened up and it became a defensive matchup, they had trouble moving the ball. Uh, but then again, they really didn't have it a lot. But but you know what? They just don't fight through that. Even the defense, get them off the field. Put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands. Adams, 7 for 106 and a touchdown. Rivers, 24 for 36 for the Colts. Three touchdowns, one interception. Taylor, the rookie, finally with a siding, 22 for 90. Uh, Indianapolis ran for 140 yards as a team. Green Bay, 7 and 3, hosts the Bears. Philadelphia at Detroit should go 3 and 0. Indianapolis, 7 and 3, home to Tennessee. If they win that game, they're going to be all right. If they lose that game and go to 7 and 4, they're at the Texans and at the Raiders two weeks after. The Sunday night game, the Chiefs, 35-31 over the Raiders. Great quarterback play. And, and you know what? This is an interesting, this was very interesting if you really want to break this down in this, in this manner. The quarterback play in this game, probably the best that you could probably see two teams have in a game that's as meaningful as this. Mahomes, 34 for 45, 348, two touchdowns, one interception, big drive after the Raiders took the lead, big drive to come back and put the Chiefs back up. Carr, 23 for 31, three touchdowns, one interception. That one interception was essentially the last play of the game where he was just forcing something because there were 30 seconds and he had to push the ball upfield. Carr was sensational, sensational on Sunday night. The battle of the tight ends, the two best tight ends in football right now with, with the kid from the 49ers out are Kelsey and Waller. Kelsey, eight catches, buck 27, one touchdown. Waller, seven catches for 88 yards and one touchdown. Oh, running? Oh, they have that too. Battle of the running backs. Edward Hilaire, 14 for 69 and two touchdowns. Jacobs, the sensational second-year running back for the Raiders, 17 for 55 and one touchdown. Interesting fact here. If you combine both games that they've played this year, now they've split each one on the other team's home field. The Raiders, 71 to 67 in those games. So the Raiders have scored 71 points against the Chiefs in two games. The Chiefs against everybody else is only allowing 17 points per game. Kansas City's 9-1. and one. They go to Tampa Bay. I'm interested to see that line also. If that line is closer to two or one, Tampa Bay's going to get them. If it's more than three and a half, four, then Kansas City will go in there and win. Denver at home, at Miami, and at the Saints. The Raiders are six and four. They go to the Falcons and then to the Jets. They need to win both those games if they're going to have a shot to make the playoffs. The Monday night game, a game that turned out to be a rough night for Tom Brady. A rough night. At times, I kind of felt Tom Brady bet the damn Rams. Brady was 26 for 48, 216, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But here's the thing. He bounced a couple of balls. Ugly. Ugly. He threw two terrible, terrible interceptions. And what was the last time that Tom Brady got the ball down three points? With plenty of times and with plenty of time on the clock and a timeout in his pocket and didn't come through. Goff, 
39 for 51, 376, two tu- three touchdowns. Had two interceptions there that could have been an issue, but the defense bailed him out. Cup, 11 for 145. Woods, 12 for 130 and a touchdown. Neither team could run the ball. The Rams, 20 carries for 37 yards. Tampa Bay, 18 for 42. And the Rams won the time of possession, 34 to 26. I always bring up the time of possession in some of these games because it's a clear indication in today's football where volume scoring is part of the gig. If you don't have the ball, you just can't score. And and that's an issue. And that's definitely an issue. And it was an issue in the game. I think the 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 the, the Bucks had about four three and outs or or a short that I think they only had like eight yards offense. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think they only had about eight yards of offense in the third quarter. Tampa seven and four. They have Kansas City at home, a bye, a strange bye week 13 because of I guess the situation that happened earlier with the COVID, I think with the Steelers. Then they have Minnesota at home, at Atlanta, at Detroit, and then Atlanta again. The the Rams are seven and three. The Rams might be the best team in the AFC in the NFC right now. At least they're the ones with the least with the least issues. They're seven and three. They have the 49ers at home. They'll go to eight and three. At the cards, the Pats, Jets, at Seattle, and the cards again. Not a very tough schedule. Fairfield Physical Therapy. Located in the Fairfield Commons Suite G106 is owned and operated by my great friend, Justin Solotov, who has over 20 years of experience in the field of orthopedic physical therapy. Call Justin at 973-276-1313 and stop living with pain and discomfort. Epic Car Service is recognized as the number one car service in New York City by medical transportation standards. Located in the Bronx, New York, Epic Car Service will make your commute a safe and comfortable experience. Call Epic at 718-401-3742 or at 844-666-6278. Because we're going to have Lloyd Vance on, we're going to do our Week 12 picks right now. And obviously, our Week 12 picks are brought to you by... Stan Sports. Stan Sports Center is your local full-service authorized team dealer for all of your favorite sports brands. Family-owned and operated, Stan's has proudly supplied apparel, uniforms, equipment, varsity jackets, and much more for the entire tri-state area since 1946. Find them online at stansportsctr.com and contact them today for your sporting goods needs. Week 12 of the NFL. And we begin on Thanksgiving. Houston, and here we go. Houston is a three-point favorite on the road at Detroit. Who the hell is Houston to be a favorite against anybody? That game, book it right now. If you just... Call your bookie, go to Vegas, go to the Meadowlands, go wherever you go and bet Detroit. Dallas is a three-point favorite against the Redskins at home. That's a traditional line, team home, three, three, team at home, three-point favorite. 
That's the way it rolls. Dallas didn't practice on Tuesday because they had a uh, situation with uh, strength and conditioning coach who suffered a heart attack, canceled practice. Keep an eye on that. See if that moves the line anywhere uh, up or down. Pittsburgh is a five-point favorite against Baltimore. That line opened up at two and a half, but like I said, a lot of COVID issues, particularly with the running game in Baltimore with the running backs. Las Vegas, and this 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 line scares me. Las Vegas is a three-point favorite at Atlanta. That's worrisome. That's worrisome. They almost are begging you to bet Las Vegas. The same with the next game. Arizona, two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at New England. New England might be the play there, and Atlanta might be the play in the other one. Stay tuned for the Sergio Rodriguez picks, which will be out actually tomorrow, Wednesday or Wednesday night or Thursday morning because we uh, we might have some plays for Thanksgiving. The Giants are a five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Cincinnati. You know what? I don't know if the Giants are good enough to give anybody five-and-a-half points, but with the fact that you're getting a, you know, no Burrow in that game, you don't know what you're going to get from Cincinnati, but we expect them to not be good. But that's probably going to have to be the play. The Giants are probably going to have to be the play if you want to bet that game. But normally, that would be a game that I stay away from. Cleveland, six-and-a-half-point favorite at Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville there. Just looking at the line, I like Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville's played tough, especially defensively against these teams the last couple of weeks. They played Green Bay tough, and then this week, like I said, they played the Steelers tough. They just don't have enough ammunition offensively, but Cleveland's not going to blow you out of the water either. Minnesota's a four-point favorite against Carolina at home. You don't know what to get from Minnesota. Minnesota should have won last week against the Cowboys. You don't know what kind of team you're going to get. But I would say that Minnesota's going to be a popular pick for for those that are still alive in suicide pools. The culture, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Tennessee at home. Both teams coming off high wins. I would stay away from that game. Definitely stay away from that game. Buffalo's a a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Chargers. Check the weather in that game. If it's a little too cold, I don't know. Joe Burrow's a West Coast kid. I don't know how many cold games they've played in. Check out the weather and see how it is before you bet that game. Miami's a seven-point favorite over the Jets. I think that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points for a, for a team, especially if two is quarterbacking, which they said that he's going back in. That's a lot of points. Because the Jets this week, I mean, granted, the Chargers aren't exactly the 85 Bears, but they put up some points, and they're going to throw the ball. That's a lot of points. New Orleans is a six-point favorite on the road at Denver. That might be a lot of points, too. Denver's defense is pretty good. The Rams are a seven-point favorite at home against the 49ers. The 49ers, you know, listen, these divisional games are always pretty close, and the Rams off a short week on the Monday night. I guess if I had to bet that game, I'm probably going to go with the 49ers. That's a weird game. I mean, I expect the Rams to win the game outright, but Kansas City is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. There you go, three-and-a-half. If that line goes down to three or two and a half, bet Tampa Bay. If it go, if it stays at three and a half or goes to four, bet Kansas City. Green Bay is an eight and a half point favorite at home against Chicago. Expect Green Bay to roll in this game. I just don't see how Chicago can muster up 
21 points that it will need to win that game. And in the Monday night game, Seattle's a five and a half point favorite in Philly. And we're going to discuss that game with the great Lloyd Vance, who we're going to bring in after we read these messages. Lucimer Auto Body, located at 27 Austin Street in Newark, provides top-of-the-line service to make your collision experience as smooth as possible. Go to lucimer.com or call them at 973-824-0113. J.J. Farber Lotman, providers of wholesale insurance at competitive rates for small and medium businesses. Go to jjfl.com or get an instant quote by calling 844-502-8923. M&J Luxury Inc. For the most unique experience in the medical transportation business, call M&J, located in New York City with over a thousand cars at your disposal. Call them at 718-278-2222 or 914-484-7262. And joining us right now on the Sergio Rodriguez show, a man who needs no introduction, a guy who used to come on my show all the time when we were at ESPN, myself and Lake Lewis, we used to have this gentleman on all the time, ESPN Network, uh, ESPN Network, NFL Network, my good friend, Lloyd Vance. Lloyd, how are you? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Lloyd, man, let's begin right here first. What the hell has happened to Carson Wentz? Look. Well, it, yeah. No, no, no. I, I guess, you know what? Go ahead. Because I, I have a lot of things to say about Wentz, but, but, but go ahead. Tell me what is going on with this guy. Yeah, you know, I'm in the Philadelphia area, and that is the number one question I get from all my callers and emailers. And I, it has a lot to do with mechanics, coaching, and I just think overall confidence in, in terms of who he is since he injured his knee. In 2017, when he was almost MVP, everybody here likes to say, uh, just not the same guy. 13 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Will not drive the football down the field, even if it's there. And, and just not looking confident. And it's come to a point where a lot of people are asking for Jalen Hurts in the Philadelphia area. That was going to be my next question. Do you think, forget about, you're very connected there. So I understand that sometimes you hear things that most of us are not going to get. I'm asking you for your opinion as a guy who has seen every Eagle game, you know, since we were little kids, right? Do you think that they should consider making that move? Well, Sergio, you know, at this point, I would have to say yes, because when you watch the last two games, two straight losses against opponents that they probably should have beaten in the Giants and the Cleveland Browns, he has just not looked himself even more than before. and, and I know the line has a lot of injuries, but Jason Peters is out there and he's old and, and Kelsey hurt his elbow in the game. But at some point, Peterson, who I believe is reading his Super Bowl press clipping, needs to figure out, you know what? This division is still very winnable. The Eagles at 3-6-1 and one are half game ahead of all the other three teams. And why not give Jalen Hurts an opportunity? We just saw this down in Miami. Yes, it did not work where they brought in Fitzmagic to kind of help out Tua when he was getting beat up in that game but sometimes you have to go to a relief pitcher and I think maybe Wentz could learn from being on the sideline 
here's here are the issues with the Eagles the way I see them. And you tell me if I'm wrong. Like I said, you I watch every Eagle game, like I watch every NFL game on Mondays. I watch them, but you know, I'm speeding up the place because I can't sit there for you know, for 25 hours, 26 hours doing this stuff, right? So I I speed up plays. I try to catch about 75% of each game, but I, I have seen a couple of full Eagle games. Here's what I see about the Eagles. The quarterback turns the ball over too much, and too many of those turnovers happen on their side of the 50. The defense is good, in my opinion, is a good defense, but there are times when everybody wants to make a play and nobody's playing, you know, to their keys. Perfect example was the Giant game. They let the Giants run all over them. They're, a, a guy like, like Danny, Danny Pennies, I call him Danny Pennies, by the way. A guy like Danny Pennies is running all over the field. And again, is he a decent running quarterback? Yeah, but he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Taysom Hill. He's, he's not one of these guys that should just be running the ball on you like that. But why everybody wants to make a play. Everybody wants to be the hero. And they're not playing assignment football. The injuries are a factor. I get that. But you can't be playing these games with the, with, with, in what amount to winnable games. You can't be playing them and putting your, your, your team constantly in a position to have to bail you out like Carson Wentz does. You just can't. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with you. And, and I'll start with the offense. You're correct. The turnovers are just killing them. Everybody remembers 2017 when the defense just kept getting co- timely turnovers for the Eagles. And then the offense was not turning the football over. And then in the past game, you saw Sanders have a big run. And then he has that fumble within the red zone, which just kind of killed the team. So, Turnovers have been a big problem with them at all points to win. Yes, they have had a lot of injuries, and I hear a lot of national guys kind of use that as an excuse for them. But we've seen other teams with a lot of injuries just keep plowing ahead. And that's what they have to do because, let's face it, after winning that Super Bowl, the target is on their back. And they just, you know, I, I just don't know at this point how to fix this team because they're getting older. Howie Roseman, their general manager, has given extensions to a lot of people. And then they're not going to be able to get out of Wentz's contract until 2022. At the earliest, it's still 2024 with him and Doug Peterson. So they're going to have to find a way with the play calling to kind of help them out. You're right. I think they need to first and foremost lean on that running game. Their offensive line is more of a run-blocking team rather than pass-blocking. Defensively, the problem is, and I point this every year at the draft, is their back seven. Their linebackers are average at best, and then their secondary takes too many chances, and they get beat over the top over and over again. I mean, they got run over by Wayne Goldman and Danny Pennies. <laughs> yes, and that and that, that run for a touchdown that, that Danny Dimes had, you know, that was the same play he had run in Philadelphia and tripped on that big, long run. They just flipped it, and then this time he ran for about a 30, 40-yard touchdown. And, and you know what? Let me bring up something else about that game because you know what? Coaching is a big problem there, too. Peterson's got to be better. And I'm going to give you something that I he did that game that blew my mind. They score, and they're down 11. They, no, they, they, no, they were down 20. 
They were down 14-3. I'm sorry, in that game. They were down 14-3, yes. They score a touchdown. He goes for two to make it 14-11, right? Because he wants to cut it to three. I'm not a big fan of chasing points early, and he did that right in the third quarter at the beginning. But you know what? I could see what he was probably thinking. Our offense has been terrible. Let's cut this to three. Maybe we could get a field goal. We'll be all right. Giants come right back and score a touchdown. The Eagles come back and score a touchdown. You're down four. He goes for two. What was the point of that? You were a, yeah. you, If the point was to be down three, you accomplished that already. What are you chasing? Who goes for two to be down two? Like, who does that? Yeah, it, it was incredible because I know – so many years covering his team, I've been in the press box, and I said, why are they going to two? I'm saying this, talking to the guy next to me, and the, the, Doug Peterson, it worked before for him, and he's almost like a gambling type of guy, and it worked in 2017 over and over again. The magic was there, but this year, it has not worked, and, and he says he's leaning on analytics and some guys in the booth. You have to use the eyeball test. I firmly agree with you. You don't chase two points unless you have to go for it. And then it just makes it even harder for a team to come back because in that situation, you're right. They should have been down three points to kick the field goal, and they're down four, and then they have to get a touchdown to win the game. So it puts your team in bad spot. But Peterson, he wrote a book after he won a Super Bowl, and he's just thinking he just, I guess, invented the game at this point. Let's go around the league for a little bit here. I've been killed. First of all, I was not a big fan of Tua when he was coming out of college. I, a lot of people were. I wasn't. And he's proven me right. To me, he's a game manager. He's there to hand the ball off. Every touchdown that they seem to score is because the defense gives them the ball at the 20-yard line going in. It, they've played two decent defensive teams, Denver and the Rams. And both teams held him under 100 yards passing. This week, he gets pulled. And then the coach says, Fitz gave us the best chance to win. If that's not an indictment of the fact that you're not the guy that can actually score for us and move the ball for us, what is? They blew this. They blew. When you watch Herbert and Burrow, and then you watch Tua, bro, they're not even the same planet in terms of the quarterback position. And, and and that's the new NFL. You have to be able to be a quarterback that can move, but it's it's a passing league first. And you're right, Tua was 3-0 in his game, but the team really rallied around him. It was Grant getting the big punt return or, or a bunch of defensive touchdowns. It was the overall team winning those games, and it was not him at the focal point. And this week you just saw him getting beat up over and over again, and you know, putting the ball in harm's way. I saw at least one, two balls that could have been picked off, but they weren't. Uh, you know, the coach Flores is fighting for playoff position in the division. Let's face it, uh, they have an opportunity here with the Patriots being down this season. But you're right. Tua, in terms of being compared to Burrow and Herbert, uh, it's just not the case right now between the, those guys are way ahead of him. When is Detroit going to fire Matt Patricia? You know, this team was 9-7 and seven, two years in a row before Patricia got there. He was brought in there to take the next jump. Since then, I, I said earlier in the show, I was talking about his record, 13-28, and 28, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, 
and then they go on the road to a beat-up Carolina team who, by the way, Matt Rule's done just a phenomenal job there. But, I mean, they go in there and they get shut out, shut out. When is this guy going to get fired? Yeah, you know, Rule, going back to him, those guy falls, Temple was doing a great job there. But you're right, Patricia, he is just, I can't believe that they've let him hang around all this time. The GMS has come over with him from Patriots, and he thinks he has his Patriot way, and he's Belichick Jr. Well, he's disorganized. His team has lacked effort, and they just don't seem to have a plan out there. And you're right. They get rid of Jim Caldwell, and they say 9-7 is not good enough. Well, they're not even close to being – They'd kill, you kill, I'd kill to have Jim Caldwell there now from the Detroit, exactly. from the Detroit fan. And and I think Thursday on Thanksgiving, the, the Texans are pretty hungry team at this point. They're probably going to come in there and beat them. So maybe it happens after they get embarrassed on national TV. But it truly has been a bad situation for Trisha. I've never been a fan of his kind of arrogant guy. And I think he's kind of getting his come up with right now. You know what the weird thing is? Vegas's line in that game is telling me Detroit's going to win that game. And these are the kinds of games that they end up hanging around and watch Kenny, Kenny Galladay come back and, and have a big game. They always do this. Like they, they tease you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The guys in the desert always seem to know. So I wouldn't count them out, you know, miss field goal or, or, or turnover field yeah. game, because let's face it. When, when you look at the Texans, they're three and 17. Yeah. So they're terrible. Too. By the way, happen. by the way, Thirty-nine million a year to Deshaun Watson, and and, and I, I listen. I, I know a lot of people like Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, but to me, he's a guy just like Prescott that in the fourth quarter fills up stats and looks good at the end. But the team is 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 you know not doing anything. Baltimore plays Pittsburgh, travels to Pittsburgh. Now Baltimore, if the playoffs started today, is out. Two things here: one, Lamar Jackson. The league's figured him out, and you could tell every time they play a good team, he doesn't move the ball. And Pittsburgh, if they don't start running the ball better, they're not going to win in the playoffs. Yeah, and and, and we'll talk to Baltimore first. That they're a team, you know, you're right. Lamar even told everybody in the Rich Eisen show a couple of weeks ago that they're calling out the plays before I even take the snap. And that just shows you that these defensive coordinators have figured out He's a guy that has to have a lead, and then he kind of works from there. But he's 1-7 when trailing at halftime, and that just shows he's just not a guy who can drive the football down the field and win games in the crunch time situation. So this is a huge game for him. The Steelers, a division rival who beat them last time in a very close game, but he's got to step up in this game, and, and we'll see how he does. The Steelers, you're correct, they have a lot of weapons on offense led by Chase Claypool, that great young rookie wide receiver, but James Conner and Snell and the rest of that backfield just are not getting the job done. So, yes, they're undefeated, but I think a lot of it has to do with that defense and Micah Fitzpatrick and Watt. You know, the, the scary thing for the Ravens is that you're right. They can't play from behind. They were up 11 against the Titans in the fourth and lost that game. Yeah, and, and defensively, they've lost some guys like Kellis Campbell who's one of the leaders defensive side and, and really uh, Miami hurricane, that. Miami hurricane. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a big dude and he control, controls that line in the middle and they're really missing him at this point. The defense under Wink Martindale is trying to put scotch tape and bubble gum on things, but 
offensively, they're just not helping them. They're not running the ball the way they were last year. And then they just don't have any receivers that are making plays. Hollywood Brown, it's just you never see him in games anymore. couple of things before we wrap up here. Can you imagine if Dallas wins this game? They're going to be four and seven and in first place in this league. Yeah, it, 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 it's incredible because one of these teams, we talked about the Eagles earlier and the way they're playing. Yes, they have that half game lead by virtue of that tie with the Bengals. But one of these teams is going to catch them. And Dallas, I, I wrote about this at the beginning of the year. They just have so much uh, talent on that roster. You know, you have to wonder when it's all going to come together. Andy Dalton this week did not turn the football over. And if he does that again, this team could have a good chance to win an NFC lease. Let me, you're right. Let me tell you what I liked about Dallas. And you know, I'm a big Cowboy fan, but let me tell you what I liked about Dallas. I, I was never one of these guys that wanted to get rid of Jason Garrett. And I've also been one of these guys that has been very critical of what I've seen early this year from McCarthy. I'll tell you what I loved the other day against the Vikings. There was creativity. There was creativity in the offense how they got the ball to certain guys, how the running, the, the plays, the, the, the blocking scheme changed up a little. There were lanes to run the ball. You could tell that over the bye week, the Cowboys self-scouted and actually did some coaching. Yeah, and, and my, my McCarthy came in there, and a lot of people were like, all right, it's kind of old. He won a Super Bowl a while ago, and I it think it's taken a while for this team to kind of buy into them. But that was a smart move, moving Zach Martin the right tackle. It was really open up the rest lanes. And Ezekiel Elliott has first 100-yard game of the season. So Dallas has enough talent that they're dangerous. And, and you have these guys defensively like Van Der Esch and Gregory. They're coming in and really infusing that defense. couple of things. The quarterback matchup in the Chargers-Buffalo game, pumped to see it. Two of the best young quarterbacks. I hope the weather cooperates. That's number one. Number two. The Rams might be the best team in the NFC because they have the least amount of issues. Number three, number three, is Tom Brady again going through the same part? Uh, Last year, at this part of the year, he started to show his age. Is it happening again? Speak to me about those three things. Yeah, so I'll start with the Chargers game. That's going to be real interesting. Two good young quarterbacks. and They both can move. They both can throw the football down the field. You're right. It's in Buffalo, so it's back to bad weather, but I do think that Buffalo will win that game because they just have a little bit more defensively, and the Chargers always find a way to lose. Facts. Um, you know, the Rams, th- this is a big situation for them. I know San Fran's coming in, 4-16, and 16, very beat up, but Aaron Donald, the way he's playing in middle, and Jalen Ramsey at the cornerback position, they shouldn't have any problem beating them, and you're right. They may have win that division, which is very tough. You may see three teams from the NFC West makes the playoffs and they still could be the top spot because I think they can beat Seattle in a tight game. And then when you look at Tom Brady, I think you may be correct. That interception late just showed you he, he just, the arm's not there anymore. And you can't blame him at 43 years old. They, they, they can't rely on him so much throwing the football like 35 to 40 times a game. They need to have more of a running game on that team. Jones didn't do much and Fournette's been witness protection program. So, you know, they're fighting it out. Probably going to be a wild card team, and we'll see how it goes from there. Final thing. The Eagles have the hardest schedule 
of the of in, in the NFC East of the remaining teams. If they can't win this game on Monday night against the Seattle team that is terrible defensively, has no pass rush, if they can't win this game, they are one of those teams, the Dallas Washington winners already going to have four wins. The Giants are playing Cincinnati. They're going to have four wins. Um, the Eagles could be in a lot of trouble because the schedule gets harder. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you because it's a situation where, well, let's face it, they're going to find a way to stop DK Metcalf because he really destroyed them in the playoffs last year. And, and that's a guy they got to cover. The Eagles need to be desperate. And uh, Carlos Dunlap, he joined Seattle. He had two sacks last week. And, and Jason Peters, who's playing very hurt, very old at left tackle, he may take advantage. And so the Eagles should be smart to lean on Sanders in this situation because you're right. They have Seattle, then they have Green Bay, and then they have New Orleans. So it does not get any easier for them. And let's face it, you have to wonder, uh, is there any magic left after that 2017 season with this team? Lloyd, my brother, I appreciate your time. In a couple of weeks, right before the playoffs start, I'll call you and we'll get you back on and we'll do a little bit of a breakdown of what the playoffs will bring and 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 what the season and we'll do a little bit of a recap of what the season brought us for those teams that did not make the playoffs. All right, Sergio, I look forward to it. And thanks for having me on. Lloyd, always a pleasure. That was Lloyd Vance of uh formerly of ESPN and the NFL Network. And you've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez show, a show unlike any other. <laughs> 